Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. When you go through an unexpected change or struggle, you may find yourself thinking about life in terms of the before and the after. When Alexa Hyman reflects on her journey over the past two years, she remembers her life before and after February 17th, 2017, when she found out that she was expecting a baby girl. Sharing our unique stories can help others feel less alone, and that is Alexa's goal. Each one of us has our own unique story of joys and struggles, our Februaries. So how do we be brave and face the struggles head on? Alexa is leading the way with a conversation about beauty, meaning, community, and heart. Because we're all facing our own February, or we have one that's yet to come. Alexa is a passionate Catholic woman and a mom who knows the value of being there for people. And she's also the creator behind Back in February, where she shares the journey of single motherhood. In today's episode, we talk about her unexpected pregnancy with her daughter, Rinley, and how her experience inspired her to minister to other women going through unexpected struggles. I really enjoyed our conversation today, and I hope you enjoy this episode too. Today's podcast is brought to you by Stay Close to Christ. Use the code LETTERS to receive 10% off your order of Catholic books and gifts. Today, we are welcoming to the show Alexa Hyman. She's a 25-year-old living in Chicago with her art teaching sister, and she works full-time in the financial world. She's passionate about writing, camping, photography, and most importantly, being a mom. So back on February 17th, 2017, she found out that she was unexpectedly pregnant with a baby girl, and that flipped her world upside down. So today, we're going to be talking about the experience of unexpected pregnancy, facing difficult journeys, and how to create community. So Alexa, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. On and I'm really honored to be a part of your podcast. So we'll just dive right into this conversation today. Can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman and as a mom? I'm originally from the Midwest. I grew up in Michigan until I was 17. And then my family made a move to the western suburbs of Chicago. My family's been here for a little over 10 years. I went back to university in, in Michigan and then once I graduated, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Graduated with a liberal arts degree and experience in finance, but also journalism. And so there was this war between the right and the left side of my brain <laughs> that left me so confused. But I ended up taking a job out in L.A., actually working for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, which was creative in-house digital marketing team, not-for-profit, servicing all of the branches of the Archdiocese and helping to unify the brand and the messaging and, and the data and in order to create a more unified portal for everyone else, uh, all other Catholics in L.A. So it was a super exciting opportunity. I was loving Los Angeles. It was a hard adjustment, to be honest. I think just moving anywhere, it takes about a year to really adjust. So I think I was living out there. I was just starting to get my feet, you know, into the ground, and I found out that I was pregnant. As you can imagine, it was very scary. It was obviously a surprise. I was not in a committed relationship at the time. And it was just confusing. And it was full of fear. And, you know, I, I think actually kind of hard to talk about the first week. And, and that's kind of why I ended up sharing it. And back in February, I was just kind of drowning in, in all the emotions that go with it. What are my parents going to think? How did I end up here? This is not the plan I had for my life. I was just starting to actually send my application or my uh, resume out to a bunch of awesome agencies in LA. And I was really thinking about sort of redefining my life. And then this happened. And, you know, looking back, it was so, I don't like, I don't want to say meant to be, but it was so necessary for my life. You know, I just mm -hmm. looked at my life like I have control over everything. I can choose which path I go down. 
you know, which to some degree is true, but at the same time, I was so self-reliant and sort of losing my faith in that and not, you know, fully trusting in the help of others around me and, and not accepting that humility that I think motherhood kind of forced down <laughs> upon me, but that I so desperately needed. But I found out I was unexpectedly pregnant and I went through this week of just back and forth. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And, uh, you know, a lot of the opinions around me were like, you don't have to do this. You can just put this in the past and keep, you know, moving on with your life. And I think a lot of this advice was not ill-intentioned, but it, it made me so confused because I think, I think my gut was like, you need to take accountability for this. Like, that's just who I am, I think. Um, I'm just someone that has a really hard time running away from issues that I have or mistakes that I've made. I was really struggling with it. And then I felt like the only way out of this was to have an abortion. I just started to feel so alone in that struggle that I said, you know, okay, like you just have to, let's just move on with your life. Let's just do it. Let's get it over with. So I scheduled an abortion for that Thursday after I found out. So it was six days after I found out. And... I just sort of closed my heart up. I was just like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm not even going to feel it. I'm just feel it. I mean, emotionally, I closed my heart up and I just felt this emptiness. It was so, it was so crazy. I just, I felt this emptiness that I couldn't shake, like more empty than I felt just being in fear. And the day before I ran into a friend and we didn't tell him the news. So it was a shock to me when he said, Hey, Alexa, you can do this. And I was like, what? And he's like, you can do this. And if you don't want to do this, I'll adopt your baby. And it was such a, I get emotional even talking about it, such a groundbreaking moment because I just had shut this door in my heart, you know, and he just pulled it back open. I literally was so overwhelmed with emotion that I fell to my knees and thought I was going to throw up. And part of it was probably the pregnancy, but I really <laughs> felt so overwhelmed with emotion. It was like I had pulled this door shut and then someone cracked it open and just this light of hope just sort of came in. This tiny little ray of hope and, and this feeling in, of being empowered. I think women feel so alone in that moment and so full of fear and so incapable of handling this huge change. And the minute that someone says, oh, you are strong enough to handle this, it's groundbreaking, you know? Right. And, and the other thing is, we respond to these pregnancies that are surprises with this fear that matches the fear in a woman. But why do we respond to all other pregnancy announcements yeah. with so much joy? You yeah. know, so it's like the minute that someone responds to me with even an inkling of excitement, I was like, wait, this is a good thing. <laughs> I felt like this tiny, I call it like a tiny inkling of joy. I just felt, wow, like, you know, this could be beautiful. Like, w what if I was made for this? You know, as a woman, I think I just felt that deep, deep down. And so he just kind of pulled it out of me a little bit. And so I walked out of his house, like, with this new skip in my steps. I had this coffee with, with a coworker, and and we were meeting for coffee, and he was talking about business, and I was trying so hard to put on a straight face, you know, but I was so scared inside. And finally, I kind of got him to ask me what was going on. I looked at him across the table, and I was like... Like, I know that I'm pregnant. And he just came around the table and was like, Alexa, there's a baby inside of you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, and I just started crying. Like, you know, it was just like this first moment of, of someone really being excited for me. It's not anyone's fault. You know, I had great friends surrounding me during that first week. Great friends. And 
it's not that they were purposefully trying not to be excited for me. Like they were looking at it logically, which is how a lot of people look at this. So it's not wrong that like we've maybe responded to surprise pregnancies in that way. But for me, it was just, I learned something, you know, that we have to respond this way because that is what made all the difference for me. So right after that conversation, I called the clinic and I canceled the abortion and I never looked back and it felt so right. I felt so much peace in that moment. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure it out, you know, and and don't get me wrong. It didn't look like that all, you know, nine months to follow. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was so much struggle in it and so much grieving and just accepting this change and accepting the the sacrifices that I was going to have to make. It was just sort of a nine months of Lent, really. So my journey as a Catholic woman, I would say, to sum it up, I grew up Catholic, but I never really understood why. And it took me a really long time to figure out why I was Catholic and why this mattered to me. And as much as I, at times in my life, like veered off from my faith and just lived the way that I wanted to live, it was always my base. It was always my foundation. It was always somewhere that that I found peace in mass and in adoration, um, just in prayer, just it grounded me always. So I always knew that like it was the place I needed to go, you know, I needed to get there, but I, I was trying so hard to live life the way I wanted it. And I had this idea that God did not want me to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) I had this idea that God just wanted me to be a nun and I was going to be unhappy (laughs) And I might, I talk to one of my girlfriends about this all the time because she's like, that's exactly how I felt. She like ended up after college, like just submitting herself to a convent and was working there because she was just assuming that God wanted her to be a nun. And she was so unhappy. And she was like, okay, God, I guess you don't want me to be a nun. So many Catholic women go through that. It's this identity crisis. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the biggest things I had to learn in my faith to really kind of let God into my heart was that he loved me. And everyone had always said this my whole life. God loves you. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, uh uh-huh. But I never really got it until my daughter was born. Until she was born and she looked at me with so much adoration for no reason. You know, just no reason other than I carried her and I was there to hold her and I was there to give her life. It was so profound. I had this light bulb moment. Oh my gosh, this is how God loves me. And it was just so remarkable. And to this day, ever since that moment where I had that realization, I think of myself differently. I have a different confidence and a different kind of prayer life. And I've stopped kind of trying to battle God off and said, just let him in. So that's really how my Catholic journey has evolved, is actually just realizing that God loves me and in all my flaws and all my struggles in exactly who I am. And I make mistakes, but he's still there to love me. I think one thing that I still struggle with to this day is I'm so hard on myself. That's why Brene Brown, my girl, yes. <laughs> has been so life-changing for me because she talks about shame and she talks mm-hmm. about um, these shame gremlins that we let in and how we just beat ourselves up and talk to ourselves so awfully and sort of realizing that I do that to myself, but then also letting God into that pain and into those lies 
and constantly flipping those lies into the truth has been life-changing for me. I knew all this before. And so I think I've always just been so super independent and self-reliant. My mom jokes that when I was a little girl, I would say, I could do it myself. I could do it myself, <laughs> mommy, over and over again. And I, it's so funny because now I see it with my daughter. She's so independent. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's coming back to haunt you. <laughs> my dad always warned me that I was going to have another meeting. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so it's really happening. That's kind of my story. <laughs> I love it. I love that reminder of radical yeah. self-reliance and how we have to reject that because it, it's so easy to cling to our plans yeah. or to clench our, our fists tight oh, around yeah. our plans. Holy smokes. I'm so bad at that. Um, I still struggle with that to this day. It's something I'm always having to weed out, but how so much so God introduces things into our lives and invites us on these journeys where it starts with just total surrender um, and radical acceptance of his will. And it's such a yeah. hard journey, but it, and it stretches us so much, but there's so much beauty so much. through that. Yeah. I love that word radical because that is so the truth. Right. It is radical. I first found out about your story through your blog back in February. And I love how you mentioned Brene Brown because she's one of my absolute favorites too. She talks about, <laughs> talks about vulnerability and shame. It talks about how when we are, when we're vulnerable, like it encourages other people's vulnerability. And that was so empowering when I first heard that because it wasn't just sharing just to share or sharing to heal. It was sharing to, to minister mm. to people. So can you talk about the inspiration yeah. behind starting back in February and also kind of speak into how sharing your story and being vulnerable with this story has allowed you to minister to other women going through unexpected pregnancies or just unexpected struggles in their life too? Initially, it all started because um, when I was pregnant and I, when I first found out, I was Googling unexpected pregnancy and I wasn't finding anything. Mm. I found a couple stories of the day that a woman found out she was pregnant and all the fear she felt. And, and it was comforting to read that, but I couldn't find anything that talked about the whole journey. You know, I realized there was a lack of information and a lack of a really personal testimony. Like there might yeah. be tons of crisis pregnancy centers, but I just wanted to read about one woman who had been through this, be able to witness her life and how it changed and how she was able to do it, you know, practically. Like, how did you approach your finances? How did you tell your parents? And how did you get back into your career? You know, I had to quit my job and I didn't have maternity leave. I had to figure this all out. And while I haven't totally um, finished writing about all of that, but it's coming. But I wanted to give women just a living example that made them feel less alone. I went on this journey. I survived it. You can too. You know, I think just one of the biggest things about this experience is that you just feel so alone in it. So that was the first reason I was like, okay, I need to create a resource. Cause I was also, as soon as I shared the news on social media, I had five women, some of which I hadn't talked to in 10 years, reach out to me who had just found out they were pregnant um, or throughout various points during my pregnancy were finding out that they were surprisingly pregnant. And it was crazy because I wasn't saying anything on social media at that point. It just came out with this little announcement, like one sentence caption, not even because I, I didn't have the words when I was pregnant. I did not have the words to articulate what I was feeling, how I was doing this. So I wasn't sharing much and I had five women reach out to me and were like, you know, watching you go through this gave me the courage to say yes. Wow. And I was like, I, yeah, it was like, what? You know, in my head, I didn't say this. And I was like, what? Like, I haven't done anything, you know, like, 
I was so honored and humbled and like amazed because I was like, I, I, I haven't done anything to help you. But what I realized was like just watching me go through pregnancy and then delivering Renly with joy, seemingly joyful experience amidst it obviously being a, not an ideal experience or timing, but them watching me go through this gave them joy or gave them hope to say yes. And so I realized like we just need more women living out these experiences in a more open way. And, and it's like you said, I mean, it can't be oversharing. Brene Brown says vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. Right. And that couldn't be more true. You know, there, you don't just share to share, but like I said, I was only posting photos. You know, I wasn't really oversharing and that still made an impact. So I think I mean, you have to figure it out for yourself, what that looks like. You know, for me, the second part of why I did it is I just felt called to do it. I just, I felt it on my heart for a long time. I've been writing and rewriting that story part for over a year, actually really over two years. I mean, from the time I was pregnant to the time I launched was two years. And I'd really been kind of trying to write it throughout that time. I can't tell you how many times I rewrote that. So I finally came to a point of clarity where I was like, okay, it's the time. Like, it's the time I feel like my heart and my head are clear to write this down and to share it. Because being there for those women was so amazing for me. I think I always had this passion to be there for women in some capacity. I just never knew what capacity. And so when I went through this experience, I it finally gave me the story to tell and the outlet in which to share it. I tell this funny story on my website, but when I was in high school, um, my boyfriend dumped me and I was 17. The only way I knew how to get out of that heartbreak was to write a guide to getting out of, to, to mending your broken heart. <laughs> so I wrote a how-to guide for getting over your boyfriend. And I, the writing of it was therapeutic enough alone. I never even ended up doing it for myself, but I gave it to my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because my friends are going through these heartbreaks, and I was, and I felt for them more than I really felt for myself. And so I just think there is something healing about taking our suffering and our struggle and sharing it with the right people and those people who need to hear it and need to feel less alone. There's something so mending about building that community together and. You know, that was that was the second reason I just felt called to do it. And then the other thing was I was so inspired by people on social media who were just more open about their lives and their struggles. Um, one that I absolutely love and she's a good she's a friend of mine um, is um, Erica Ty. Now she's Erica Campbell. Yes. Um, but she runs Be a Heart Design. She talks so much about her struggle and she's so raw about it and I've always found it so inspiring and refreshing. And so what I started to do with my social media channels, I started unfollowing people that made me start to compare my life. And I started following people who are just really open like that and yeah. who are just real, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're not sharing beautiful images. If you look at my Instagram, like it is beautiful oh, images yeah. or, you know, aesthetically pleasing. But at the same time, if you read my captions, like you can hear and feel my struggle. And right. I mean, sometimes I'm like, am I being a little too open about this? <laughs> but like, that's really why I'm doing it is I just, I have always found it just to be such a community when people share their hearts a little bit. And it's less about, oh, my life is so perfect. Mm -hmm. And more about like, my life is beautiful, but there's struggle in it. 
you know, there's struggle behind these images. I feel like in a in a social in a social media culture that's you know just based in perfectionism, we we have to do that. We have to to live more authentically and to share little bits of our hearts in whatever way that we feel called to, because otherwise it just feels like a really lonely place. You know, yeah, it all goes back to that. Even letting go control of what people perceive our lives to look like or how in some ways with with social media, it's so easy to curate our perfect lives or to only share what's good, but there is so much beauty. And I love how you phrase that sharing, sharing the beautiful, but also sharing the struggle. And I have been so inspired in watching your Instagram stories or reading Instagram captions from your account where it's raw and it's authentic, but it's such a witness to hope because there's still that even in the, on the hard days, there's still this glimmer of of this beauty yeah. and this hope. And I think that's what's missing from social media. And I, I 100% agree. There are accounts that I love following because they're real and they're authentic and you get to know them as a person. And they're not just a, a screen. Yeah. They're, they're people that you get to know as yeah. friends. And that's so important. I love that. Absolutely. And that, so that was, that's really been my overarching goal in this. It's, it's not just about unplanned pregnancy and helping women in that, although the main, uh, the core of it, right? That's where all this stemmed from. Um, but really just trying to change the culture around that, encouraging authenticity, encouraging storytelling. You know, we all have a story to tell right. and we all go through these impactful struggles, whether they're big or small. You know, some people have been through way harder experience than I've been through, but pain and suffering is all relative, right? Right. And so it could be something as small as a difficult conversation we have to have at work or a moment where we're like, hey, (laughs) you know, I really screwed up. I'm sorry for how I behaved or I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. You know, so struggle just, it ranges so much. And I'm just really trying to create this sort of movement around that. And so I'm actually one thing that I'm working on back in February is is actually sharing stories of struggle from other people. And I just want it to be raw and open ended and and not just about pregnancy or motherhood, but anything, you know, like I mentioned. So I'm working on that because I don't want it to all be my voice and my stories. Stay tuned. Coming soon. I love it. I think it's so beautiful and it speaks into just the human experience that we all go through these things that are struggles. They don't look the same, but I think though there's so much beauty in being able to learn from each other. And that only happens when we're vulnerable yeah. and we share what that's like from our end of the, of the story. We women are just built for community. Right. You know, we're made for, you know, Brene Brown would say we're made for connection. And I think it's all about vulnerability, right? Like that moment where we're able to tell someone like, I hear you. Yeah, like yeah. that sucks. To be empathetic, right. that's the key. You have to be able to have the capacity for empathy. You have to listen wholeheartedly to someone in their struggle. And then also be able to understand it because you understand your own suffering. You know, it's all, they play off of one another, right? And right. so I just think that's what this is really all about is building community. And especially for women right now during this time, like we need each other more than ever, you know, right. and we have to have that authenticity in it. And we have to be building those communities 
Brene Brown talks about the difference between sympathy and empathy and how sympathy is kind of the standing Mm -hmm. off in the distance. Like, I'm sorry this is happening to you. I don't really know what I can do to help you. But empathy is just not, I think empathy, people can shy away from empathy because I don't want to take on somebody's feelings. I don't want to take that on myself. But no, empathy is, is in all honesty, it's sitting in the trenches with somebody and letting them know that they're not alone and letting them know that you've been through something that's not, you're right, not the same. It may not look anything like on a surface level, that same struggle, but that you know what that's like or that you know that it's possible to get through that and you're going to be there with them. I think of um, the book of Job in the Bible, how Job is sitting and he's gone through all this heartache and just loss and devastation and his friends come by and his friends do the best when they don't say anything. They just exist with him. They just exist in that moment with him. And it's when they start offering like, oh, do you think this is why it happened? Do you think that God hates you? Do you think that, you know, are you being punished because of something you've done? That's when all these friendships start to go downhill because they're trying to justify his suffering instead of just sitting with him in it. And it's so, it's so hard to sit in the pain with somebody or to sit in that struggle, but to be able to come along and offer that witness to hope or that just that reassurance that you are not alone. You're not going through this alone, whatever it is. I think that is so powerful and so overlooked in this journey. Yeah, I just started a women's group. I started an endow group and we're, and we're doing a study on, on the Christian meaning of suffering. And we've been talking so much about how our culture is a fix it culture. Yeah. You know, our oh, first yeah. tendency when someone tells us about their struggle is to fix it. Like one time I, I was telling someone, I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted. And the first thing this person said, well, well you're probably just not getting enough sleep. Yep. And so I immediately started to feel like, okay. I'm doing something wrong. I'm right. causing my exhaustion. Instead of it just being like, no, you have a toddler running around and heating and she's been sick. You know, like <laughs> it sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. Um, right. but our tendency is to blame ourselves or to respond to our friends with this fix it, you know, kind of mentality instead of just listening, you know, and, and just realizing it sucks. Right. <laughs> you know, like the struggle just sucks. We can just be there for each other. And yeah, I think there's some truth to like offering encouragement, offering our own testimony and maybe what helped us. But you have to read the situation. You know, you have to know you don't just respond right away with that. Right. Someone needs to be acknowledged. And so it's it's a balance, but it's definitely not this response. Well, it's your fault and let's fix it. (laughs) You know, that's our that's our um, mistake. Yeah, I think there's so much beauty that's found in sensitivity towards someone else's story. And even some of the best, some of the best friends that I've had in those hard moments of struggle have been the friends who've verbally said, do you, do you need me to, do you need me to encourage you? Do you need me to listen? Do you, do you want advice? And just asking permission to speak into that instead of, well, you know, if you've opened up to me, that means that we need to fix this. So that means that you're looking for solutions because some, sometimes, in fact, I'd argue quite a bit of times in those those initial raw moments of vulnerability, I need to be listened to. I need to be affirmed. Yeah. But having the courage to speak into that um, or to ask for permission to speak into it and then not putting yourself worth in, in someone saying, well, no, actually I just wanted someone to listen. Like that doesn't mean that, that your interaction with them is any less right. or that, oh, well, I didn't fix it. So I, I really didn't show up. I really didn't show up and be there for them. No, you gave them what they needed. And that's, that's beautiful. And that's good. One of my friends, one of my good girlfriends always says, how's your heart? Yes. It's like, how's your heart doing? And I've always found that to be such a profound question because it gives someone permission to open up about how they're feeling. And it's the simplest question, you know, but it, but it speaks volume. Right. So I think I, I tend to do that with my friends now. I'm like, how's your heart? Cause that really asks someone like, Hey, really, you know, cut the BS. How, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. 
especially because I think our world expects us to either have it together, to have this perfectly curated life or to have answers to our problems before we bring them up to other people, oh. which, oh my gosh, I hate that. Like, no. <laughs> uh, I do that so much. <laughs> I'm like, like just practicing it over and over. What am I really feeling? How right. am I going to, yeah, no. Right. Yep. You're not alone in that one. It's so true though. Or how in some of those friendships, it's like an expectation that you're, oh, I'm just, you know, I, I'm sharing the story and here's this pretty little bow that goes on top of it because I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm okay. And that's yes. not healthy either. I'm fine now. And really you're just like barely holding Melting it inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's oh so true. God. Yeah. And just giving yourself the freedom yeah. if you're going through that unexpected season to be able to, whether that's a pregnancy or like you said, there's so many different things that are unexpected struggles that we enter into in our lives to give yourself permission to just be raw and not have to put a bow on it, to just exist and to not have to have a solution, especially in your relationship with God. Because I found this in my, in my uh, prayer life when I'm going through something that's hard. Oh, yeah. Dear Lord, I know everything will be okay. Thanks for taking care of me. Instead of being really raw and authentic and letting the Lord know what's on my heart because he wants to know too. Like if yeah. we as humans want to know how everyone's heart is, God so much more so wants to know what's on our heart from our own words and just giving yourself the freedom to be authentic yeah. with him too. Absolutely. I, I think that that was part of my issue with God, not, and it wasn't God's issue, it was my issue, um, was like, I just felt like I had to be perfect for him. Right. Like, I have to clean up all these areas of my life before I can go to God and be close to him, you know? I was so mistaken in that. It, and I was just going to say, you know, the thing about that's so powerful about being vulnerable, key, with people who are with the capacity to be to be empathetic that is so key we can't just be vulnerable with friends who don't have that capacity to respond that way um but it grows our relationship you know like you can't the friends that i call and i'm just like hey just really sucks those are the friends who i'm closest to right you know because i give i give them that time with me and my heart and their heart and that's how we how we're just bonded as friends and so that's the key with God, right? Like right. it all just ties in. It's like the minute we can just be raw and vulnerable with God, like, and he's not this scary God, that's when our relationship really grows. That's where our spirituality just blossoms. Yeah. The 3 a.m. phone call friends. And they're always the friends who've been there yeah. and who have had that empathy and you've had these trust moments with them and you've built this up and they're so good and there's invaluable friendships. And those are the friendships where you just show up and you just are real and authentic and you let yourself be seen and they know your struggle. And it's not like they think any less of you of it. And that's so beautiful because that's when they're reflecting God in your life, when they're able to, to be there and be present in that moment and still love you. And again, like if, if humans can do that, how much more so can God do that in our lives? Amen. Alexa, you have this beautiful blog back in February. You talk a lot about things we <laughs> talked about here. You talk a lot about just the beauty of your journey with an unexpected pregnancy and the specifics of it and self-care and that grieving process. And can you tell listeners a little bit more about how to find your story, to read your writing and access those resources that you're creating for other women? Yeah. So um, my website is backinfebruary.com. And if you want to email me, it's Alexa at backinfebruary.com. If you are surprisingly pregnant by chance, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I have a little surprise mama's club that I'm actually creating for all these women to be in a Facebook group together um, and share resources and share tips and just also have a community. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram, backinfebruary underscore. And if you're interested in sharing your story, please reach out to me. Um, any story, really. Yeah, I think I think that covers it. So we've talked a lot about vulnerability and 
authenticity, living our authentic lives as Catholic women today. For just to wrap up the podcast, I always ask women about the feminine genius and how we all live this out differently in our own lives. And the way that you live out the feminine genius is so unique. Can you tell how you live out the feminine genius in your daily ordinary life as a single mom? There's so many ways I could answer this question, but I think one of the tenets of feminine genius that John Paul II writes about is mothering. I think it's it's such an interesting way way to put it um, because it's not just I think physical motherhood. You know, um, in my case, like I was able to physically have a child, and and that's how I've been able to on a day to day basis live out my feminine genius. But it's you know not all women have the opportunity to have a child, and it's like this idea of emotionally and spiritually mothering other people um, or being mother-like to yeah. other people. And I think that is just so beautiful. And it kind of wraps up everything we've talked about because this idea of being, you know, empathetic, compassionate creatures gives us such a beautiful opportunity to connect with one another and to connect people and to create community. That is all encompassing. That's what I feel called to do in my life and being a a mother physical mother kind of gave me the opportunity to do that for me it's sharing my heart and being there for people I have a fierce passion to be there for people in their struggle I've just been there I've been there felt alone and lonely I still feel lonely all the time it's not an easy journey and Instagram will sometimes make it feel like that you know Mm -hmm. our first tendency is to compare our lives on social media and say, well, she has these clothes. Her life must be perfect. But I can tell you the truth. (laughs) It is not. (laughs) You know, I still have so many bad days, so many. You know, it is not easy. But the more that I take the opportunity to try and connect with other women in that, to call those friends who can be there for me empathetically, that's where like the magic happens. That is like a beautiful way, I think, to be a woman in this world. You know, we just need each other. And in my day-to-day, like, I love being a mom because I love caring for this little tiny human being, you know. (laughs) She's my best friend. And I just, I love to be needed in that way. And it just made me feel whole. I do think it all ties into why maybe God created me. And it was to help in this way. And we all have that. You know, we all have that and we all have these unique gifts. And that's what's so beautiful about women and this opportunity for connection. So I love how your mission that I've encountered you through with back in February speaks so much into this holistic maternity. This like, like you mentioned, not only Mm. biological and physical, but spiritual maternity and being there for other women and showing up and and being that safe place for them to land. And that's, I've loved witnessing you live out the feminine genius and that maternal aspect so much. So, so thank you for your witness to that and a witness to hope too. Thank you. No, thank you for having me and for doing this. I love that you're having these dialogues. I think it's so important for us women to talk about this. Happy we got to talk about social media because I think That is something we really need to be talking about. I think it's creating a negative culture for the most part. And and I worry about it, but I know that there's ways we can use it that are really beautiful. And I see those ways playing out. And hopefully back in February, you know, continues that sort of dialogue and community-like 
you know, cultural environment. So thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been really beautiful to get to connect with you and, and get to hear more about your story. And I'm, I'm excited to share it and hope that listeners will go check out the, the back in February blog and Instagram. And I'll post those in the show notes so that they can have access to them too. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find show notes for today's episode over at my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, where you'll find resources like back in February, Alexa's blog, her Instagram links, and a couple of resources to some Brene Brown talks that we mentioned that are definitely well worth your time. Brene Brown is one of my favorites, and I always love when she comes up in podcast conversations. So go head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com to check that out. If you have a couple minutes, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Not only are reviews really fun to read, and I learn a lot from them and I love hearing what you think about the podcast, but reviews also help other people find this resource. So if you have a spare minute, head over to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and review. That is all I have for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Alexa about facing unexpected struggles and vulnerability, conquering shame, and really facing these struggles head on um, and just rejecting this idea that we have to have it all together and that our plan is perfect. And so that is all I have for today. But until next time that we chat, be not afraid. 